in a world where all knowledge is available by our fingertips how can we find magic ever wondered how do magicians keep mystifying you as a childhood harry potter fan i do Hey everyone, I'm Priyas Tadeva and you are listening to Trending Diary, the podcast. Your journey to connect with ideas, stories, experiences and people starts now. Today I'm joined with Adam Mada, known as Mr. Magic, who has been entertaining audiences and creating custom magic and illusion effects internationally for over 20 years. He is the magic and illusion coach to the global smash hit Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Also he's a magic and illusion consultant for the Australian National Institute of Dramatic Art. Adam's highly sought after live and digital performances are in demand throughout the world, playing everywhere from Sydney Opera House to Royal Bombay Yacht Club. The man is also the founder and director of Magic Inclination, a company that creates bespoke custom magic effects. Very excited to have this wizard of Oz in the world of muggles. Tune in. Are you prayer very happy to be here yeah very very excited to have you here i'm great too so so how's the weather there look it's it's um very hot and humid in sydney here at the moment uh-huh. uh we're summer here here in sydney australia uh so it's probably about 34 degrees and about 40 degrees in my warehouse so it's very very hot and humid <laughs> <laughs> so mr adam welcome to the world of muggles and so first of all i'm curious to know like why you choose to make things uh, and people disappear levitate reappear and transform i mean what led you to be a magician well who doesn't love magic and <laughs> look i i'm just a little boy who who never grew up Mhm. <laughs> I like this short and sweet. <laughs> yeah, look I I mean all, all of my life and especially as a as a young a young man I was always fascinated by how things work. Mm-hmm. And I was the kid that would be parents have taking apart radios or electronics or just just to find out how they worked. Um I mean one of my hobbies was to find things in the rubbish and just pull them apart or smash them apart mm-hmm. um just to find out how these machines and things work so I guess my fascination with not only how things work but how people work um mm-hmm. and then how the world works that fascination really kind of led me towards magic um And look ma- magic and illusion it, it, really it's all about interacting and connecting with an audience and magic in itself is inherently intellectual um and it's almost exhausting watching any kind of magic because it's impossible to watch magic and not attempt to think how it's done so every time every time you see an illusion or some amazing magic trick your brain is always working in overdrive in how to solve the the impossible so it's it's kind of exhausting watching it um but that also means that it's inherently interactive as well so whenever you're 
you're watching an illusion or watching magic, your brain is, is interacting with the content, trying to solve how that worked. Um, so yeah, look, it, it, it's in my early days, it was like a drug. It was a, a bug that, that bit. And I just became fascinated with, with how all of these things work. Um, and look, disappear, levitate, reappear, transform, all of those sorts of things um, are kind of broad, broad level themes within magic. But there's a, there's a lot more to it. And ultimately, it's all about connecting with people, I guess. And that's, that's what I really love is, is connecting with people. Mr. Adam, so much of what you are, it's all about creating something that should be impossible or unbelievable happens on the stage. Illusion and magic. I believe it's the purest form of theater art. And also you are the man who creates all the illusion and magic version of the show Harry Potter. And believe me, that's fascinating. Uh, also, as a kid, I believe in everything that has been shown in the movies, in the books. So I question a lot, but still that was a you know pure faith and responsible for all of it. So whether you talk about the book or watching the show, theoretical script, it's always has been a great experience for me. And you being the man who made it possible, how does it feel like? I mean, is it something more the game of emotions, mind or skills? What? Great, great question, Priya. Great question. I agree with all of you on that. Um, I, I just want to clarify to your listeners that I am the Magic and Illusion Associate for the Australian production in Australia. Um, I work with an international team of the, the, the international team of the Illusions and Magic on Harry Potter and all of the other productions. So Jamie Harrison, who mm -hmm. I work with in the UK, and Chris Fisher are the original designers of the Illusions on Harry Potter. Um, so my pri primary role in Australia is to manage and direct all of the magic and illusion on the Australian production, bring it to life on the stage, as well as coach um, all of the actors uh, who are performing the magic, but also um, a lot of magic and illusion on stage in any production, we may see the actors performing the magic and creating it, but generally most of the people responsible for pulling off those illusions are your stage technical crew that are behind the scenes that you'll never ever see um, including lighting and sound and all of that sort of thing and, and generally magic and illusion in theatre involves all departments and a, uh, a simple uh, vanishing trick on stage will include your lighting department your sound department your automation department the actors, uh, your stage management technicians, uh, as well as your movement direction, the, the director, um, and all of those departments need to work together in perfect unison to pull off that one illusion. So um, it's really exciting working on, on big theatrical productions because I'm one of the only people that kind of moves through all the departments, um, not to mention costume costume mm -hmm. as well and wigs and um, pretty much all departments a lot of the illusions on a, on a production like Potter will touch um, yeah a lot of work goes into pulling off those illusions and in fact I run a course at NIDA which is the National Institute of Dramatic Art here in Sydney Australia and 
the course that I teach is not for the actors, but actually for the production management students. So these guys are doing a fine arts degree mm -hmm. in production management and they will be your future stage managers, technical crew, uh, sound designers, lighting designers, stage managers, that sort of thing, company managers. They're all the people that make all of the shows around the world happen. So that's really exciting, teaching mm -hmm. them uh, theatre illusion technology and, and that sort of thing. But look, it, I, I've got a, a great quote by Teller from the famous duo Penn and Teller, um, who some of your listeners mm -hmm. would definitely know from their famous TV show called Fool Us. So in, in, a, in a typical theatre, an actor will hold up a stick and you make believe it's a sword. But in magic, we need to make sure that that sword is absolutely or, or, or has to seem absolutely 100% real. So even when it's 100% fake, it has to draw blood. So theatre, traditional theatre, is the willing suspension of disbelief, whereas in magic, it's the unwilling suspension of disbelief. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, is it a game of emotions or, or the mind or skills or what? It's kind of all of that together. It's, it's all of it mixed together and any kind of magical illusion is always a game playing with human perception. And magic only ever happens in one place, Priya, and that and back, back in the early days of cinema, George Malise, um, who's a fascinating fellow, uh, he, he was an assistant to the who we regard as the father of modern magic but he took his practice in a different direction and he created special effects in cinema. And so his early films, um, who your listeners can go and check out on YouTube and so on. In fact, if you've seen the film Hugo by Martin Scorsese, that entire film is about Georges Malise. Um, and film Hugo, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. So in the early uh, 20th century, films were originally presented effectively as magic tricks. So there's a famous film, one of George Millie's early films, where there's a train uh, that comes out of the screen and, and goes towards the audience. And back then, audiences had never seen anything like it. So not only was film and a moving image uh, a novelty, people would go out to the theatres to watch these five five to seven minute films because they were huge novelties. Um, when the, the train came out and, and left the station and went towards the audience, um, the audience are ducking out of the way, thinking the train's going to hit them. Um, so that's quite a fascinating illusion that in those days was really presented almost as a trick or an optical illusion, as a novelty, uh, and now is just obviously a part of all screen entertainment. So, Adam, if, if, you know, I relate it to the real-life scenario, I, I believe things are just the same uh, for, you know, the magic in real life, somewhere we all can experience magic in real life. So, so what's the one tip or advice you would love to give from your craft experience that takes you ahead in life? Um, well, <laughs> I guess work hard. Um, always work hard. 
and I, I think the only way to really work hard is to find something that gives you a thrill. And once you once you find mm -hmm. something that gives you a thrill, just do your best at it because you'll naturally want to do your best at it because you love it. Um, mm -hmm. I guess one thing that I wish I knew in my early twenties um, was in show business and arts and entertainment. There's there's this kind of overall thought that one day you'll make it and you see we're constantly fed um through the media our, our entire lives as we grow up celebrities and and famous artists or musicians performers theater performers actors actors and at some point they've made it or the media will report on their life around they had a breakout role and since they got that role or did that film suddenly they made it but being in the industry for as long as I have now and, and having many successes and many failures, um, all of that really is an illusion. Um, and, and the fact that at one point you'll make it and suddenly you're on easy street and, you know, you, you'll have uh, income and you can buy property and houses and, and you'll be a celebrated performer, artist or entertainer or whatever, it's just not, it's just not true. It's, it's a lie that we almost tell ourselves and the whole industry tells, tells you. And the reality is that it will, it will be forever just continuous work. And there will never be a project that will be your breakout project or breakout role. It's just one after the other. And it's the classic thing whenever you see an artist that supposedly they're an overnight success. Well, really, the overnight success is, is either 10 or 20 years of work. Um, and the work just gets harder. And I think um, if I understood that as a reality in my early 20s, I, I'd probably modify the way that I look at things and get less disappointed with the failures because in, in this industry, there are lots and lots of failures. There are many, many doors that you knock on that never, never open. And it's just continuous hard work. The work never gets easier. And in fact, I work much, much harder today than than I ever have in my career um, and especially in the last year when the, when our entire industry fell over uh, with with no work for anyone in any of the arts and entertainment industries anywhere around the world I just worked harder um, and so yeah it's effectively it's just always a continuous ongoing effort to keep working and and every gig is just another job another gig some are big some are small but it's, you know, it's just, there's always another gig. Adam, considering your point, uh, you know, what's the best magic that you had felt in real life? Not, not on the show, some illusion, but the real magic in real life. What's that? Well, well, Priya, what is real life? <laughs> Something <laughs> that we are living uh, with our family, with our friends, probably in solitude or somewhere, you know, just our life, the way we are living it, not, not presenting, we are not, we are having any takes. It's just, yeah. it's just a flow. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just playing with you. I'm just playing with you. But look, re as a, as a professional mm -hmm. magician who works in the impossible, the question of real life mm -hmm. is one that has always been omnipresent in my mind. Um, because what is real life? And, and if I look back in my early 20s and look to where I am now and, and the sorts of experiences and things that I do now, 
it's almost not like real mm -hmm. life. Um, to, to me, work uh, and performing on stage and traveling all over the world and doing all these amazing things actually is real life. Um, but re look, really, aside from all of that, the real, real life for me is my family. And I have uh, a wife and three children. I have a son mm -hmm. who's eight years old, a daughter, Hazel, five. And we have a, a young little baby, Wren, who was born at the start of COVID just this year. She's only 10 months old. Oh, yes, thank you. And look, I, I think in terms of magical moments, probably the most magical moment that I've ever had in real life was actually the birth of my son, uh, who's sitting here uh -huh. now on his iPad in the studio, actually. Um, and and mm -hmm. that was such an incredible moment because it, I was there and I delivered him and seeing his head pop out just seemed impossible. Mm -hmm. It was so impossible and so magical. And at this, even though I was there living and breathing and being a part of it, I still could not believe that it was actually happening right then and there at that time. It was incredibly surreal. Um, and for me, that was the most impactful, magical moment of my life, which was then repeated two more times. <laughs> so just as impossible and magical each other time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then look, in, in, in terms of career, um, I had the good fortune of designing all the magic for a show here in Australia called Possum Magic. Uh, and Poss Possum Magic is based on mm -hmm. a very, very famous Australian uh, children's book from the 1980s, which I actually grew up reading myself as a child. Um, and mm -hmm. this was such a magical project because my own children were were at the right age to be introduced to that book. So I would, um, at the same time, read the book to them at night, Possum Magic, as well as designing and creating the magic for the live show. And so it meant that my, mm -hmm. my own children were not only a part of, they were very much a part of the development of that show and I would ask them questions and I mm -hmm. would say, what do you find magical in the book and what would you like to see on stage? Uh, my son and daughter both actually came to the launch at the Opera House and they sat in and they gave notes to the director, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, my, my, my son's school, mm -hmm. um, the, the whole school actually went, went to see the production and so his class knew that his dad was making the magic for the production. So we did a special presentation uh, at my son's school where he got up and we, we showed all of these um, tricks and illusions for the class that, that kind of inspired some of the illusions in the show. And so my son got to live this really amazing experience where his dad was creating all the magic for this thing that they were experiencing at school. Um, so that, I think that's going to be a pretty pretty um hard career highlight to ever top to be honest so while having a show in india adam you you just came up with the statement that magic in india is raw and organic so what does it mean raw and organic oh that that sounds like a classic misinterpretation by the press um i'm assuming i'm assuming that was in a news uh -huh. article somewhere <laughs> yeah uh, look, I, I think what i 
look, what I really mean by that sort of statement, which I think they've misconstrued in a way, is that I've done two tours through India um, and I love Indian mm-hmm. audiences in India. And from mm-hmm. my experience and from my research prior to going to India, um, it, in India, um, all through their culture and religion, magic illusion and mysticism mm-hmm. is is intricately woven it's woven through myth and legend and stories mm-hmm. um and religion and i believe most indians that i've met um are generally very intelligent um and i'd say they're a lot more intelligent than your average australian audience or american audience or uk audience i think as as an audience they're very inquisitive and really love to to want to see magic so they can figure it out. But at the same time, they also understand and they get it. They get that the magician is a magician doing magic and that that's their job to fool the audience. And so whilst on one hand they love trying to solve the magic uh, and figure out the illusion and why is this working, they also naturally lend themselves into being swept away with mysticism and the impossibility. Um, and so we really found all of the audiences across India, um, it didn't matter if, if we were at, the, at um, the Taj Mahal or the Royal Bombay Yacht Club, the Australian High Commission or the Kaputli slums in Delhi, all audiences of all classes were just fascinated with magic um, and extraordinarily enthusiastic. They, they, they yes. just instantly get it. They're not afraid of magic. And um, often with, with West, mm-hmm. Western audiences in Australia, UK and America, you'll always have a small portion of people that fear magic and, they don't, and because they don't understand it, they mm-hmm. fear it. They decide not to like it. Um, whereas we, we never really experienced that in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got you. I, I somewhere agree agree to your point that there, there's a kind of enthusiasm and fearlessness uh, in the people here. So, yeah. yeah. And also talking about the present scenario where, you know, gatherings are restricted a bit. So how are you able to manage the present shows? Wow. What, what a year. I mean, who, who could have imagined that not only would all of our gigs vanish over overnight, um, but they've vanished for an entire year. Um, it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just gobsmacking. It, I, I in my practice, I work across a lot of different sectors and industries. So that's theatre, film, TV, uh, live events, corporate events, cruise ships, um, and the one thing that they all have in common is that. People gather mm-hmm. to watch. <laughs> so their audiences, which, which is, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, just doesn't work with COVID. So basically overnight I saw all of my work absolutely vanish across all sectors, which was quite stressful. Um, I, I think my children actually have benefited from, from this last year. Um, immensely because the year before that I was on the road traveling 189 days in the year Uh, and this year I was on the road traveling less than 10 so I've 
been much mm-hmm. I've been home a lot more a lot more present with my children I think that's going to be a common story the world over for children and parents um, so I think that's a, I think that's a win for this mm-hmm. for this sort of young generation coming up through um, but look there, there mm-hmm. were obviously huge challenges and I kind of decided early on not to let let those challenges get me down and I had many colleagues that have gone out of business I've had many colleagues that have gone through depression um, and I discovered essentially online live virtual shows and so in the early days uh, back in March I applied for some for some funding grants here in Australia and I was successful with it with a, a local arts grant here which allowed me to start developing mm-hmm. an interactive live digital show, which was really exciting. Um, I also, in my role at NIDA, NIDA were uh, such an innovative place for students to learn. They also did a pivot into the virtual space and generally every year all of their students put on six major productions or works and they're there to a live audience. Um, but they couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So they actually put on a digital theatre festival where they made six productions specifically designed to be consumed online. Uh, and I was brought in as a consultant mm-hmm. across all of those six productions. Um, and so several company theatre companies that I work with uh, in Sydney, in my warehouse here, as well as NIDA, we all were heading in the same direction. And it was all about creating content producing live content to be consumed online uh, and it really was quite mm-hmm. exciting it really felt like being on the edge of something new it, was, it, it kind of feels a little bit like what television must have felt like in the 60s and 70s this new medium and I think mm-hmm. we learned early on rather than create a show that's just going to be filmed and then just put online and people can watch it let's actually create content that is developed specifically to work in the online environment. So it's it's not a stage performance that's filmed and watched or consumed. It's not a webcam show. It's it's stuff and content that can't actually be. Uh, uh, it, it wouldn't work in a theatre. It wouldn't work live. It can only work in this live digital environment, whether it's Zoom or Google Meet uh, or, or or Twitch or whatever the platform is going to be. So yeah, we we we, Got you. we developed a whole range of shows uh, to be consumed by corporate audiences, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, or- and that, that actually culminated in a mm-hmm. um, a commission by the Sydney Opera House. So the Sydney Opera House reached out uh, during the middle of middle of the COVID crisis and lockdown here in Australia, and they asked me to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, a live digital show on their stage and so it started off to be effectively a a pre-recorded show stage show um, that was then going to be live streamed but I managed to convince the Opera House to to allow me to do a an actual a live interactive show with with a live digital audience which they'd never ever done before and this, this is such a new thing where you can perform through a screen and people can talk back to you at the same time in real time. It's, it's very new. It's, it ultimately, to do it effectively, is very complex. Um, and the, 
the Opera House show, which your listeners can actually go and watch now. You can actually watch the entire show online for free right now on YouTube. Just If you just do a search for Adam Marder or Marder's Magic Marvels at the Sydney Opera House, you can watch the entire thing. And you can even interact mm-hmm. you can even interact with it right now as a, as a live stream. There's some really, really innovative uh, touch, touch the screen effects. It's family friendly, great, great for the whole family. So that was, um, yeah, that was a real, really exciting developing that show. Uh, huge amount of work. Yeah, it was um, really rewarding. I put a great team together. I had uh, a colleague of mine who lives uh, close to me. We, we were kind of in the same bubble together, Stu Hunter, an amazing, uh, very well-known pianist. So we had a live music score and I had a guest, guest artist, Heidi Hoops, who appeared on stage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just c- creating this content that works specifically in this live medium where people could ask me questions through the screen and make things happen through the screen, I just find really exciting and fascinating. And um, just this week, actually, a version of my digital show uh, was part of the Google Cloud Global Conference uh, that has just gone out this week. Uh, and that was quite similar to the Opera House show. So it was a live pre-record with with a small audience that then streamed out to a, a much larger audience. Um, and I, I believe, you know, regardless of the, the COVID situation and the lockdowns all over the world, I believe that that we've now popped the cherry on live interactive video and moving forward, this this is definitely here to stay. Um well, I hope so because I've spent a lot of money on, on equipment. <laughs> so I, I hope to use it for the rest of the year. Um, but I think even, even when live concerts and shows come back, um, I think now most, most productions and concerts will see the added, added value of being able to scale their shows and include a live stream component to the live event. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a whole new industry that's kind of coming out of this stuff, this whole live live streaming thing, which uh, is really exciting to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm, got you. Mm. And, you know, somewhere it has become a very important part of our life where we are, you know, moving from a satellite world to the ODD world where we are, you know, uh, moving from a real world to the virtual world. So it's really important to adapt the change. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And before wrapping it up, Adam, uh, there's one thing that I'm always curious to know from my guest. So what is the one trend that you really want to see more evolving in the new era or I should say a new thing that you really want to see more embraced in the new decade? In the new world. Well, look, Priya, I would love to see universal basic income. Um. And let me uh-huh. let me qualify that. I um, have many friends and colleagues all over the world, uh, from India to America, all through Southeast Asia. Uh, and one thing I think that that, that I've learned through through COVID, and is that really we're all having a very very different experience. And in fact, I have some friends that are all magicians from uh, the the, the, uh, a very well-known colony in Delhi known as the Kaputli Colony. Now, the Kaputli Colony is a, mm-hmm. a slum outside Delhi, but it's, it's a professional slum, and all of the people in that slum 
are professional artists, performers, entertainers, musicians, puppeteers, magicians, and so on. And they have really struggled. And their experience compared to many other people's experiences around the world has been dramatically dire. And because of the lockdowns um, and the inability to also go and work um, and no government assistance means that they're really struggling. And and they're struggling so much so that we, we actually... Uh, with, with the group that I toured through India with, we, we put together a fundraising platform um, on GoFundMe and we raised, we've raised uh, close to 4,500 Australian dollars, um, which we sent, sent directly across to Mr. Raymond Shah, who's the chief of that particular outfit. And we, together we were able to feed around 30 families for two months, which was remarkable. A- aside from that, uh, my friends and colleagues in the US and the UK, everyone has been affected in a similar capacity, but the ability to work um, has has been very different for everyone. In Australia, we have a program called JobKeeper. And if you're fortunate enough to run a business or have access to JobKeeper, it's effectively a, a basic income or support payment that can help you with the basics and, and so on, or keep the lights on in your business, that sort of thing, uh, which is about to end, sadly. Uh, but what that's really shown a lot of people is that having access to some kind of universal basic income, especially in the arts industries, really allows you to innovate, create, uh, and take risks. And, and really throughout my professional career, uh, it's it's always it's always been a struggle mm-hmm. and a continual balance yeah. b- between maintaining yeah. cash flow to put food on the table for the family to keep the lights on mm-hmm. to pay the rent, um, as as well as then investing time and resources into projects that may or may not pay off. And you know, with with all business, first and foremost, we you you you've got to have jobs coming in. You need the cash flow to pay the rent. And if you can't pay the rent or keep the lights on, then mm-hmm. you, you don't have a business and then you don't have a practice. But having access to mm-hmm. some kind of universal basic income really then allows people to to use more of their, their time and resources to innovate. Um, and I think ultimately mm-hmm. that kind of investment from governments around the world is really going to pay off with with the resulting innovation. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'd love to see in this in this new world. And I think that's another cherry that's been popped in in many countries uh, as well as New Zealand, where there, there have been a lot of support payments to large large sort of sectors and, and various different industries. Um, and you know, without that support payment uh, this year. I think my ability to innovate in the virtual space would have been hampered significantly. So um, that's what I'd like to see. You know, I can completely again resonate with you on this point uh, that the uh, the kind of industry we are in, you know, the creation on the virtual space, it's, which is more about the arts, innovation. So it's a type of thing which can make you or break you. So it's a do or die situation. So you need, a, you know, a space where you can feel comfortable with your basic necessities and, you know, living a life, but 
but putting your whole mind or uh, in your art in the greatness of practicing what you really want to achieve so it's all about you know being good very good at your craft so only then you would be able to give something great to the world so i really can you know this is this is the kind of point i i completely feel in my life as well and uh, agree you 100% agree you yeah it's yeah. A, you know the need of the situation yeah. yeah so thank you thank you adam it was lovely having you <laughs> means beyond all the glitches we are able to make it up and thank you so much it was great great having you on the show uh, an absolute pleasure priya um keep sharing the magic and i hope to chat to you again soon sometime thank you adam it was lovely having you on the show and you beautiful people thank you so much for listening i hope you get some value today and if you are excited to be the part of a magical live event of adam do dm us at the instagram page of trending diary I'll see you soon in the next episode till then stay tuned and god bless us all